Hello, everyone. Welcome to another fantastic edition of the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. I'm your co-host, Dominic Vogel, and joining me as always is the dapper Christian Redshaw. Christian, how are you doing today? Doing fantastic. I feel like I look like you now that I've got a gray suit. It's like looking in the mirror. That's yes. right. Uh, <laughs> uh, mirror notwithstanding, who is our guest today? Well, our guest is Carla Reffold, and she's the COO of Orpheus Cyber out of Washington, D.C. Awesome. Well, we'll take a brief pause here and we'll bring on Carla and we'll have an awesome conversation with her. Sounds good. Carla Reffold, all the way from Washington, D.C. Welcome to Cybersecurity Matters. Hi, thanks for having me. Good to have you. So you are the COO of a company called Orpheus Cyber. Um, Tell us about Orpheus and what your role is there. So my role is... uh, operations. I do marketing and HR and some strategic partnerships. And Orpheus does threat intelligence and cyber risk ratings. So a bit different from the other risk ratings companies out there, we're using threat intelligence to fuel those scores. Um, And there's a few really interesting things that kind of go into that around risk-based vulnerability management, but that's the top level of what we do. Okay. So for the layman uh, business person out there, uh, watching the show, um, what what is threat intelligence in in just as basic um, basic form? It is looking at who might want to attack you and how. I think that might be the really simple way of describing it. Um, and you know, Kaseya, Solar Winds, all being in the news so much at the moment. I think people um, and kind of the layman business person is really starting to understand supply chain security is a real issue, and that's where you know risk ratings can be a part of that solution. For sure. And, and, and Carl, one of the things that I, I, I wanted to ask you was, um, you know, you mentioned like Kaseya and Solar Winds. I mean, more and more we're seeing um, cybersecurity stories dominate the six o'clock news. Um, when, as it becomes more mainstream, where's that transition point where we're seeing more and more business owners or executives start asking questions around cybersecurity, around cyber risk management? Are you seeing that that's becoming more common or are there still a lot of um, business owners and executives who just choose to be ignorant around cybersecurity? I don't know if they choose to be ignorant, but I, I don't think a lot of them kind of get the the risk yet and i think larger companies do larger companies have obviously invested a lot in the last few years but smaller companies who often form that part of that supply chain not so much and what no one is really talking about about the kaseya breach is this is i think the first fourth party security breach you've seen it's not even just third party They've got into the MSPs, who've got into the end clients. That's the fourth party breach. And if you haven't even got your third party stuff sorted out yet, which a lot of companies haven't, the attackers, they're two step ahead of us now. And, you know, the further down the supply chain you go, the smaller the companies you're going to hit, they are going to have to start, I think, taking more notice of security. Uh, that's really interesting. You know, and, and when we're talking on, on that same token, even if we're just focusing on maybe smaller mid-sized organizations, you know, things like ransomware, that's just running amok right now among small and mid-sized organizations. Um, are, have, have things gotten as bad as they could get when it comes to ransomware? Or like, at what point do you see that the bottom of the barrel falls out? 
I don't think they're anywhere near as bad as they could get yet, uh, <laughs> personally. And I feel like we as an industry don't quite know what to do, right? We don't necessarily know what the controls are that are really going to stop it. Or I think we, we've got an idea of what reduces it, but I don't think we really know industry-wide what stops it. I think some of the, the ways that ransomware gets in, you know, phishing emails being one of the, the key ones, we don't really have a solution and those solutions aren't um, widely adopted yet. And the insurers, in my opinion, haven't quite got a handle on what they do either. You know, they're seeing um, huge losses from all the claims that they're having to pay out on. So I feel like there's going to be some big changes coming uh, for cyber insurance as well. And, and on that token of cyber insurance, you know, I keep going back to almost this, this mindset of, of executives and small mid-sized business owners. Many of them perceive something like cyber insurance as being a get-out-of-jail card. They're like, well, I have cyber insurance. I don't need to worry about cybersecurity. Um, and back to that mindset, uh, A, how dangerous is that false sense of security mindset? And B, do you see the insurance industry changing in a way where they're trying to make sure that people realize that it's not a get out of jail card? For some people, it might be a get out of jail free card, right? Someone, depending on your deductible, someone is going to pay either your ransom or for you to get back up and running. They're, you know, it's not a bad place to be. It's better than not having cyber insurance. Um, but I don't know how long that can continue. How long can the insurers continue to pay out without either increasing your premiums, increasing your deductibles, or forcing you to put some level of controls in place? And, you know, we're talking to some of them around using our ratings now to help inform their decisions. So I think we will, um, like for sure see more of that. And I think some of those things that they see might either prevent you from getting insurance or really increase your premiums or come with a, uh, you know, a requirement that you have to go put certain controls in place and mitigate certain vulnerabilities or show them what you're doing in order to be eligible. That's fantastic insight, Carla. Yeah, just to wrap that up, I mean, I come from the insurance industry myself. It's actually how Dominic and I uh, initially met. Thank God I'm not in it anymore uh, at this stage. Um, but it really was, I think, a money-making opportunity that a lot of insurers saw. Uh, and it has become less of a, less profitable <laughs> in recent times. So I'm really, uh, I've got my uh, eyes wide open to see where we're going to go next. And I, I like what you said there. Um, well, you said forcing them to to get security controls in place. I mean, I think it's it's the right thing to do for organizations to get ahead of that. Uh, but just switching gears uh, for a minute and talking specifically about the human factor in cybersecurity, because you've got you know people, process, technology, and then you know starting with the people. Um, cybersecurity isn't just a, a, a technology issue. How important in your perspective is the the people component and um, you know what is what is your approach to that I think the people component is maybe the most important part of that you know most uh, most breaches start with a human error somewhere along the line and I think we're certainly seeing more and more of that and quite often I think what you see when breaches do happen to companies um, we saw it uh, certainly with solar winds where everyone goes and looks and says Look at all the vacancies in your team. Look at all the people you haven't hired and, uh, you know, the people you haven't put in place to help you. And the amount of people we're hearing in the industry that are really burnt out and are tired. Tired people make mistakes. So 
I think actually making sure we've got really well-resourced security teams is important. Making sure that we've got people that can communicate risk to a board so you get the proper levels of investment, that's really important. And making sure you've got people who can communicate to your wider business. You know, security isn't the security team's responsibility, it's everyone's responsibility. You know, spending money wisely isn't down to finance, that's down to everybody in the business, same for security. So actually communicating that and communicating what people need to think about and do, they're really important factors and they're all human factors. And I think, you know, a lot of people are talking now about the buzzword of diversity. and, you know, I think my belief and, and, and anyone who knows what works in cybersecurity, um, their belief is that diversity strengthens uh, a security team. Um, I, I would imagine that you would agree with that. And, and if so, what what does that kind of diversity look like? Like, I agree a thousand percent. Anyone that ever looks at my LinkedIn will see all the sorts of things I post about diversity. Diversity, and this is somewhere I've been taking this more recently, is we do need diversity, but we also need inclusion. If you're just saying, I'm hiring women because I want more women in my team because that's the smart thing to do, but you're not putting in place ways to help them feel supported, and you're essentially telling them, you know, this is the reason that we've hired you, you don't have any women in your senior leadership team, or you don't have anything to support parents, or whatever it is, then actually you're not being inclusive you might as well not bother hiring those people you really need to make sure your culture is inclusive so that your diversity strategy works but it's so important i don't think uh you know if you don't have diversity of thought within your team then how can you really tackle these challenges properly and you know uh the people we're we're fighting against probably don't think the same ways we think. You know, they come from different parts of the world, different cultures. They will have a different way of thinking and we need to have different ways of thinking in our teams if we're really going to understand that, uh, be able to spot things when they're not right and be able to fight back against it. So I think it's one of the most important things you can do. And I, you know, I hear a lot and see a lot and talk a lot about, um, you know, not just hiring people for the sake of it, which I, I genuinely don't think actually happens. I think you know, minority groups have to fight harder for those uh, positions and are generally more than capable. Um, But, uh, you know, actually, that's a that's an okay place to start. You know what, if that's what you need to do, then actually having targets and, uh, you know, if that's what you need to do to get diverse people and diverse thinking into your team, then targets that I think are a great way to start. And Carla, I know this is a subject you, you and I have talked about many times before as well, and um, even extending that a bit further in terms of gender inequality, in uh, even if we focus in, in cybersecurity, right? There's still a faction of you know uh, men who say, well, you know, you know, a woman should only be doing sales in cybersecurity, right? They can't be doing the technical stuff that that, that we're doing. That that still happens. There's still a lot of gaslighting that 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 happens in in the industry. What what actionable steps can those who are willing to be part of the solution, what can they do to make sure that we remove many of those blocks around gender inequality and then move towards greater gender uh, equity and equality in, in, in the cybersecurity space? So I think the really big thing, and Don, this is why I love you, is around like it's not just equality at work, it's equality at home. So there are there is that faction of the industry, but they're tiny. And actually, if 
if you're coming across that and that's your experience of um, of discrimination within the industry, then you're going to have this attitude of, why can't everyone just be nice to each other and it will go away and, it, you know, it's fine. But actually then when you have, um, you know, other blockers, maybe you have caring responsibilities for children or parents or whatever, and actually you don't have that support at home, then you can't have equality in the workplace. So for me, it's really around uh, kind of making sure you've got a great support system at home so you can come to work and, and you know, really be able to give it your all and how companies can then support you with that. So, uh, you know, I recently had to take a time off because my son was sick and my boss just refused to let me take that as holiday and just told me to take the time and focus on family. Like that's how you make your workplace inclusive and supportive of people who have different responsibilities. Absolutely. And, and it's so important to even reflect on some of the, the the wording as well um you know i i've, I've been in uh, in calls when my, my son is with me and then you know a, a male will say oh you're stuck babysitting and i'm like no i'm not babysitting my own child he i am parenting my child i'm not a babysitter to my child there's still a lot of that that old whatever you want to call it locker room uh, style talk that men see around uh ge- gender roles right and you know i know you and i've talked about the before and as the gender roles get redefined or even just destroyed <laughs> uh, or at least the old gender roles get get destroyed and, and redefined that's going to manifest itself in the workplace as well because it's, we can't be clinging to these old gender roles because i mean they're rooted in inequality to begin with yeah absolutely and like let's let's call some of that out like it's great that you do that let's uh you know let's start saying hey i've got some great male CISOs here and seeing how stupid it sounds to say that so we just take down some of those barriers. And even though they're only words and they're not the worst thing in the world, like they, they matter. That's where you where you start and they're easy to change. Yeah, that, that, that's such great, great advice too. Like you said, it, it's just starting with simple, uh, small things like that. Um, and I agree with you, you know, that when people refer to a female CEO, it just, it does not make any sense. You know, I think about my own daughter, when she grows up, I don't want her to be uh, growing up in a world where CEOs are still you know, referred to based on their, uh, or at least if they're female, referred to as a female CEO. Like you said, there you don't hear someone say, "Oh, here's so and so," you know, male CEO. Right? Richard Branson is never referred to as a male, and he's referred to as Sir Richard Branson. Right? So it, it should be no, no, no different. And you know, I think it's just it's so important that we have these these conversations, and that there's um, you know, good kind people like yourself uh, to be able to make sure that we have that ongoing dialogue because ultimately, be having that respectful dialogue is going to help um, change at least certain industries and hopefully the cybersecurity industry, which um, at least since I've been in, has always been dominated by older, pissed off uh, uh, white um, uh, men, of which I know I've become a middle-aged, pissed off white man, so that irony is not lost on me. But uh, <laughs> I think it's so incumbent that, that we we work on, on that. And um, like I said, the conversation like, conversations like this really, really help, Carla. And I know Christian and I are really grateful for you taking time out of your busy day to be on the podcast with us. No, well, I've been excited to come on for a while, so thank you very much. <laughs> You're a rock star. We really pr- appreciate it. And Chris and I will be right back to wrap up today's episode. Thanks, Carla. That was a really engaging conversation with Carla. Um, Christian, what were your thoughts about it? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that stood out to me the most coming from the insurance world myself is the idea of raising deductibles and premiums, which seems like an inevitable conclusion to what's happening out there in the insurance world uh, and then also just basically the expectation that people are going to be pressured forced um, 
to put controls in place, cybersecurity protections. Yeah, you know, and Carly has such a wealth of knowledge, and um, the bit I really like with the conversation towards the end there, when you know she's a big champion of diversity and inclusion in in the workplace, especially in uh, male dominant industry like cybersecurity. So I think there's some really good practical tips and uh, that she shared there. But uh, we were really grateful for her joining Definitely. us today on on the podcast. Uh, for all our viewers and listeners, please uh, do uh, subscribe to our YouTube. Uh, channel uh, and or uh, on your favorite podcasting platform. Uh, if you feel so inclined, please do leave a review, positive or negative. Hopefully it's positive, but uh, we won't judge. It's okay. Uh, but, uh, please do check out previous episodes as well. Uh, until next time, be well and be safe. And thank you again for joining us on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. We'll see you next week.